when I was looking through this thing um, about the podcast, I saw the advertisement for your gig coming up. Okay. And I thought, you know, obviously seeing you watching, watching you playing for years on Brogan's and the crack and the, the mic yeah. thing, and I thought, yeah, yeah. he's in the solstice here in Navin. It's going to be an awesome gig. And I kind of thought, what I thought, I suppose, and it's probably the, you can tell me more about the show there, as, uh, but I thought, now, this is fucking Jerry Tully getting his, you know, getting the, the whole lot there into a nice little cosy place, but getting the, this type of gig that, that really suits him. And he's probably going to get some, some of his, you know, friends, musicians or whatever with him to, to really yeah. play the songs that you love absolutely, over the years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that um, I, I did play the sauces before, back in 2008. And it was an fantastic. It was really a highlight gig for me. It was great, you know. Yeah. It was, it's a good while ago now. And since that time, I've been off playing with other people and I kind of dropped away from my own thing a little bit, you know, and I've been playing in bands and making a living, making a living as a musician, you know. Um, so now that I'm coming back to do this this year, I find it uh, I find that it's really the right time for me to go back and do this, you know. So yeah. I was in touch with them there, the good folks in the South were there about six months ago and asked them about it and they said, yeah, why not? So I, I will get a couple of musicians to come along on the night. I'm, I'm really looking forward to playing some of the songs that I've been playing for so long. You'd often hear people talking about musicians and they say, well, he makes the songs his own and stuff like that. And I never paid much attention to that. But now that I'm after, since 2008, I'm singing songs for years and I feel like they're part of my, myself, even though yeah. I didn't write them. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. I, I have a way of... I have a way of putting them across and a way I feel when I'm putting them across. Yeah, and you, have I a different, to you have that. a different little twist on all these songs. I know. try to, yeah. try to I've gather I've, them. I've heard you doing loads of gigs in there in, in Brogan's and um, I think pre-COVID there, you know, I was we were, we were just I was just after coming back from being abroad for a yeah. long time and yeah. I said, is, is, is Jerry in, in, in Brogan's and Bright Night? I was like, oh yeah, yeah deadly. Nice head down. So I have, a, I have a video and I'll, I'll show a clip of the, the video Um we were sitting, my uncle and uh, my partner, and we just got lucky enough to sit right beside you guys in the corner. Yes, yes, of course. And you had two yeah. other musicians with you, and one guy was playing the flute, and I think another guy playing the banjo, and yourself and the guitar, that's something right, like that. That's right, yeah, yeah. And you were playing a mixed bag of everything like that. But it, 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 was a, it wasn't it was one of those mad gigs from a couple of years ago where the place would be absolutely... It wasn't, no, it yeah, wasn't. Things going to heaven there. No, absolutely. You know. I was doing a solo gig in Brogan's. This was the longest standing gig I'd had. I think back in around... It's, it's say the late 90s I started gigging on a Friday night in Brogan's and I've been through about three or four owners <laughs> of that <laughs> bar where people have moved it on and sold and come and gone and yeah, everything yeah. and I came nearly as part of the furniture I was moving along with people yeah. which I was very grateful for that was part of my uh, making a living as a musician it was, I, I, need, I felt I needed a steady gig and I had one there in my hometown they were, they yeah. were great everyone whoever came to the whoever came to run the place or own the place it was great and so when I was there that day with yourself, that was just after COVID, uh, after the, the huge enormity of fear and everything that we'd had, and people were starting to come back out again, but we'd no gigs. And that's two friends of mine that I play with now. That's um, Chris Cadman playing the banjo. Uh, he, he, he plays the, he owns the show, The Legend of Luke Kelly. So he was right, right. Uh, I'm playing that band, been for, I knew Chris 20 years ago right. when we were in bands together. And I had started about, about six or eight months before COVID happened. I had started to play full time with his band. Right. He asked me, uh, his guitarist was moving on and 
he asked me would I stand in and we should we clicked we knew one another yeah, so well yeah. and the other chap was there Joe Finn uh, from Clara a very fine Ilon Piper and flute player and everything from Clara from Clara in County I know a few boys from uh, down there right oh there. yeah it's great great, <laughs> great music down there so the, but at least yeah. Joe's flying the flag a long time down there so he's you know yeah. and uh, he's a great musician the two of them are and so they came up on a few of the Sunday evening gigs there uh, just to we were passing time basically because yeah, it was after yeah, Covid yeah. there was no gigs as such there was nothing we, we couldn't move too far and everybody was a bit very shy about getting back out to the pub scene absolutely you know, and the pub scene had changed so much yeah. from the times I say you were, you were talking about when I wouldn't say it was easy to fill a pub but when you got people into a pub it was nearly hard to get them out of it yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I used to play an early evening Sunday gig there from six to eight, and it often went on to near nine because we were just having so much fun, basically. M especially me, you know what I mean. Can I that ask was a you solo just gig, you know. Like, I suppose a musician question. I was when I had uh, when I had the pub in Portugal. I used to play every night yes. in the pub. Yes. And um, I used to think to myself, um, "You get sick of me every night, or whatever it is." Yes. You used to play in Bogans uh, once a week for was what you say fifteen oh, years? years at least at least yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. What yeah. do you what's your what's your what's your take on that? Do people get sick or how do you? What's I would say some do. There's no doubt about it. People yeah. would get bored with the same thing. Why wouldn't they? Like you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I see, I see people in Trim walking by Trim Castle and they don't even raise their head up to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> and another group will come in and they're taking photos. You know. Yeah yeah. It, it's bound to have that effect on some people. But there was a core group of people I would say, and there was always someone new arriving. Mm. So when those gigs were going very well for me uh, there were people coming from Cavan on a Sunday afternoon mm. who I'd never met and they just came and said we saw your thing online and we came down for the afternoon yeah. to have a yeah. song with you. and people came from Dublin and then when uh, when Maureen O'Reilly and Don Baker took over the pub yeah. Don brought a lot of people to the pub as well a lot more people yeah. would have come to see Don playing when he did well the, the, the whole concept of the pub really changed then around totally. like towards the music towards Don and everything like that because yeah, absolutely like from you know from just hearing the whispers around the town yes you know the the, the word was well Don was after Don and Maureen I don't know but, but you know I know of them yeah but um, Don was bringing this whole big cool music thing with him you know which he did well, he did jacket and the yes he did yeah he, he brought a lot of music he brought some fantastic acts yeah because upstairs in in Brogan it's not just the bar there's an upstairs mm. section and it's a perfect little venue to play you know and it'll hold maybe 140 people I think it is yeah so that's a gorgeous little place to play and Andy Irvine played there Paul Brady played there um, big one there lately Johnny Logan yes that's right yeah did, yeah, yeah Mundy played there uh, I played there <laughs> Chris Cavanagh played there so he did we've yeah. all played in it you know I did, so a, it's an I ideal did a, venue, a, a, so a party up there one time there was but it was uh, you know you got up on stage and everything and you yes. could see it was all designed by musicians yeah everything that's right was all that's right yes, yes. So, so well see Don has a great past in, in music mm. and everything that was a place to bring musicians to play and everything so lots of musicians did come that uh, who were available to Don we'd say to get yeah, yeah, to come along yeah. and play you know so it was brilliant oh, John Spillane I played a gig with him as well there we would never have seen them, I would say, in Trim. At the time, there was no place. So that was one great thing that Brogan said. Was there was a made an availability for it. John's plan has a, it's a real quirk to him, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I, I just think he's... He's, he's got just a very unique way of... Uh, yeah. And I, I, I remember playing that song, one of, song, one of his songs, uh, Johnny Don't Go. Oh, yes. Johnny Don't Go. But yeah, you need that accent and you need that... You, you know. He's unique. He's completely unique, you know what I mean? Uh, which is wonderful. And uh, I think his songwriting style is unique. Everything about him is unique. Uh, 
Jonathan Do you ever Reed. write music, Jerry? I write a good few songs. I've written far more songs than I've ever published. <laughs> right, right. So I have. I've written lots of songs. Um, Would you like to play maybe a little or something? Sure, yes, or of course. One yeah, of your yeah, own yeah, songs. Let's... let's or, or do you, do you want to tell us about it before you play I it? will. I sure will. I'll tell you about this. Um, this is a song called In Your Eyes. Um, it, I recorded an album back in 2007 and released it in 2008. I call, I couldn't even think of a name for it. And the guy who recorded with me said to me, why don't you call it something like Leaves Float Down? Jokingly, I think he said it. And I said, yeah, that'll do. So that's how... Leaves Float Down. How disconnected I was from from uh, the process. I was just so busy trying to get these songs out of yeah, me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And a lot of them have a, an aspect of pain to them if you look into them mm-hmm. deeply, mm-hmm. which I also didn't realise until a guy holidaying from Australia said to me, oh, I heard about you. You're the guy who wrote the pain album, we used to call it. <laughs> and I said, what are you talking about, the pain album? I said, they're lovely songs. He was right. He was yeah. spot on. Yeah, he was right. Uh, that was only when he pointed that out to me. I think I was so relieved to get the songs out of my system. Yeah. It was, but there were a lot of them about loss and losing out and stuff like that, which was only coming to the fore in my own life at the time. You know what I mean? I was just saying, what, what's happening here? You know? Yeah. So this was this was one of the songs I'd forgotten. Okay. And uh, after that, uh, I say I was about halfway through the album and I found this song again, and it ended up being the first song on the album. So I hope I get it right now. Okay. If I do. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Oh, please listen to me. 
please just listen to me I'm trying to break out of this stillness And all I want is your forgiveness Oh, when I see your face When I see your face It makes me smile When I see your face, it makes me smile. Lovely job. Lovely job. I can hear the pain in it now, but at the time I was writing it for someone else in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I can, you know. It's, it's, um, I think it's a, you know, it's a different thing to write a song. And I'm listening to all these songs and I'm learning songs all the time, whatever songs yeah. are coming out. You know, if you're doing gigs just to keep up, yes, with of course. There, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. at the moment there's maybe three or four songs that are top of the charts. Okay, this is what September 23. So you have Beeswing. Do you do that song? I do. I do. Okay. Uh, Traveling Soldier. Only heard the song the other day. Would you believe that? Uh, Wagon Wheel. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> <laughs> It has been hammered to death. That's yeah. Country Roads. Yeah, I, I grew up with that song. Yeah, I would, yeah. I would know of that. I wouldn't be a song I would usually do. Uh, it depends on where I was, you know. Yeah. When I was gigging in pubs and hotels and that, it's always something to get people going. Absolutely, yeah. It's a classic. My um, song, you know? father was a big John Denver. Absolutely. John Denver man. Yeah, fine. And he said to me about, uh, we went for a holiday to, I was living in Portugal at the time. Yeah. And about six months before he died, I got to get him to come out. To, oh, to okay. me, and he was he was he was quite ill at the time. His he, he, his legs were quite swollen and things like that. But um, when he got out, he was very contrary because he was his mobility was was yeah. cut back from what it was and yeah. um, and all this sort of thing. But I was trying to occupy him because he wanted to go here and wanted to go there, and all I wanted to do was do nothing because I was working there all the time. Oh, you, know? you wanted a break. But yeah. we ended up down in um, in Cabanas, a uh, lovely little old fisherman's town. Uh, and little beach there, and there was a couple of old little boats. Little, some of them were all buck buckety and all yeah, this sort of yeah. stuff. And for some reason, he he walked out into the into the water up to knee height or whatever it was, and he thought this small little kind of uh, two three seater little timber fishing boat. Yeah. And he he managed. Now he was big, you know, he's a big belly or whatever yeah. at the time, you know. So he managed to get himself, he backed his arse into the into this little boat. And lay back and put his hands behind his head like this, you know. Yes. And the boat was rocking, and he says, "You get in here to fuck beside me here. This is what holidays are all about." <laughs> exactly. And yeah. he got, I got into the, the thing, and the boat was rocking over and back, and the sunshine was lovely and everything like that. And then he said to me, "Some days are diamonds." Do you know that yeah. one? Yeah. Some yeah. days are diamonds. I've heard and of it again. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I, but it's it's um, another John Denver song, you know. Yes. And I never heard it. You know, and uh, it's great hearing songs, brilliant songs that you've never heard before. Right, yeah. uh, and he said, uh, "Some days are diamonds, some days are stone." And of course, I pulled out the Spotify, and I was like, "Oh, what's, what's this song?" So we sat there, we li we listened to it together with our eyes closed, rocking in the boat. And it was one of those memories you just ah, don't forget. You know, we, at the at the at the funeral, we we got uh, Matt Levy there, and 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 I got asked Matt to play it. You know. Yeah. And sure, look at it was lovely. Of course, yeah. you know that's, that's you know. a lovely memory to have, you know. Really But um, yeah, so the John Denver thing, anyway. He that's that's what brought me onto that, and then we were 
we were saying then he'd, he'd often say to me come on we'll go down he'd be maybe a Mickey Ninjas and he'd say come on we'll go down to Jerry I think Jerry Tully's down in down oh in really? Provence yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah. And, he, and he'd come down there and and listen to yourse- yourself yes, and yeah. the whole lot you know I'd be I'd have my eyes closed I wouldn't know who to yeah, say you know? yeah 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 <laughs> tightly closed oh I'm reading the words off my eyelids <laughs> <laughs> and so tell me Jerry you've great you know contacts with other musicians and stuff like that tell me some of the stories about how you came across some of these incredible musicians wow well I know there's so, so many of them but my music my musical life started before I was hardly out of the cot mm. I think you know my father was in a show band my father was a drummer and he was a fantastic Elvis impersonator really he'd never do it purposely sing he'd never uh, say dress as Elvis or enter a competition as an Elvis but when you heard him singing he had this great round tone and power I remember him in the 70s being really really great you know right right so I was I was mad attracted to that. and even though he was a drummer in the show band he still sang some of the songs that the band would have been right, in yeah. it was in a band called the Hunter Show Band which was mostly trim men was that was that by any chance was was Jody Farrell in that Jody band? Farrell was in the band yes he was Jody Farrell was a sax player um, yeah Jody was in the band yeah when I was when I was a kid, I used to work in uh, in the old stand. For I don't know what it was called that at the time, but Jody used to be in there all the time. It would have been probably the last row. The last row, that's right. Straw, yeah. Yeah. Jody used to be in there all the time, and he'd be coming in telling me all these stories about Jody. Had a great life in music as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, yeah. Me. So my father was in that band from the sixties. So he would have been seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, just playing music, uh, drumming away, and he played the guitar as well. But as he said himself, I, I'm not really a guitar player, but he could keep a rhythm. Mm. He could keep a couple of chords in a different tune than I'm using. Yeah, yeah. So that was my formal education, was about four minutes. Right. He said to me, no, tune it that way and play it that chord, that chord, and that was it. I so you played it the way he played He played the three chords he knew. Right. And he said, I know them three chords, but that's as much as I can do for you. We're talking like early 70s, mid-70s. So Santa Claus brought me a guitar right, when I was about six. And I had it for, I suppose, into the middle of the year. And I put it down and I left it till I was about 12. I just, I, I kind of lost interest in it. And there was nothing, you, you couldn't go online and find songs or anything like that, you see. So it was just an ornament you for a long time. You had to buy music books that time, didn't you? You'd have to go to Dublin to get them. Sure, that was an <laughs> awful track. You'd have to take a day off work for that. Yeah. But I was too young anyway, sure. It's, so it didn't cross my mind, you know what I mean? And the, in the schools, there wasn't a band. Just as I remember, there wasn't a band. But I'll tell you where my interest was rekindled. I was in school with my lifelong friend, Ken Gillick was there. Oh, yeah. And Ken's step-uncle, Jimmy Murray, had travelled everywhere with the band and had been in the Hunter show band as well. And he was a fantastic lead guitarist. And Ken, I remember meeting Ken, and he, he, I was, he was telling me, you know, I'm really interested in guitar. My uncle plays guitar. And stuff. Like, we were 12, 13, 14, maybe. Right. And I was saying to him, you know, what kind of music? And he said, oh, rock and roll, you know. So I went home and told me that, Ken Gillick's uncle. That my father says, yeah, I know. So I'm in the band with Jimmy. I was in in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. So this is the kind of stuff I was starting to learn. You just... And I was... And Ken showed me how to play this. Yeah, yeah. You know? This kind of thing. And Ken Gillick was doing... I was going, oh, my God, what's happening? In the young man's hall, when he'd be going up to collect Jimmy's guitar to bring it down to the pub, and he'd say, yeah, I'd be hanging out with Ken in the evenings, you know, and he'd say, I just have to go and get Jimmy's guitar and drop it down to him. And Ken was able to play all this stuff, and he showed me. Yeah. And I was saying, "Jeez, this is amazing!" And I picked the guitar back up from that, and I started learning Elvis Presley. Uh, Since my baby left me, all that kind of songs, yeah. you know. So then, 
mysteriously, songbooks started to appear in the house. I think my dad might have been dropping them down right. in front of me, and I was starting to learn songs and learn bits and learn this and learn that. And he was starting up a band in the 80s himself, I suppose, for a few pints and a, a bit of crack. A, an extra few quid, that kind of thing, yeah, you know, yeah. back in the 80s. And I eventually ended up playing in the band, playing rhythm guitar with him. In your dad's band? In my father's band. Um, he had several formations of bands and everything like that, but the, the Christy Kelly was in the band and Dave Murray and my dad. And he asked me to come along and How did you get on with your dad? I got on great with him all through the years. I really? got on absolutely well. Music held us together. It was, yeah. it was fantastic. But the the turning point for me, I can remember, um, that was all fun and games. I was enjoying that really well. And uh, he was listening. He had me listen to Marty Robinson. You know, Marty Robinson. Yeah, yeah. All these Western songs. Uh, Demis Roussos I was listening to <laughs> on big A track. I'll never forget it because it has never left me. Yeah. It's that's where music started for me, back in those days. One Friday evening, he came home and he said to me, would you like to come to a gig? I thought nothing about it. I said, yeah, that's grand. He was out there driving a lorry all day, and he said, I'm going over to see this fella playing. Um, Christy Moore is his name. I'm right. going over to see him playing. I said, yeah, that's grand. Never heard of him. I'd go over. <laughs> and you're only a goss this I time. I was only a guy. I wasn't supposed to be there. I was not supposed to be in the gig. I wasn't supposed to be anywhere at all at all. I was supposed to be at home. <laughs> right. And... So he brought me, thankfully he brought me, and I, I went over with Paddy Amelia, Pudgy Amelia. Both Paddy, yeah. Yeah, and Patrick. And a couple of other lads were there as well, I remember, and we were all sitting around in um, Beachmount Hotel. Yeah, yeah. It's no longer exists. Yeah, but I it was remember Beachmount, yeah. On the way into Navan, and there was a band on first. I wasn't too bothered, even though they were excellent. So they were <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was waiting to see this guy, you know. Who's this fellow who's drawn me father out away from the fire of a night, you know? Mm. And this soul character walked on eventually, and it was Christy Moore. And he was singing The Cliffs of Dream. That was his hit, I think, at the time. I think it was that, anyway. Mm. So my eyes opened and my jaw dropped, and I said, one fella with a guitar. And I remember saying to myself, that's the job I'm going to do. Mm. And I've been struggling to do that ever since. <laughs> <laughs> but I, one way or the other, I said, that, that's, that's it. That's the thing. Yeah. And it just struck me that night, you know. Yeah. I remember Christy's mother was in the audience because he went down and gave her a hug that night. Right. At the back uh, of the, the room, sort of. And yeah. I, I thought I was fascinated with this guy. And then it's later I saw him <coughs> live in three and different things like that, you know. There was a time when um, he, he wasn't playing for a while. That's right. He, he wasn't playing for a while. For a few and years, uh, yeah. when he wasn't playing, I fell in love with all his music and all his character and right. everything like that yeah. and I was kind of disappointed thinking he might never come back again yeah we got we got we got to see him I think one of the first gigs he played back when he came back was up in um, up in Monaghan unusual experience of uh, heading for the bar alright he's coming on he's going to play he's going to yes, play go up and get a few right, pints yeah, here now yeah, yeah. and the next thing all before the shit he came down. on yeah 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 he, he yeah. shut the bar he, yeah. he was taking himself very serious I remember he be he began to take himself very well I don't know what he was taking himself but mm. I suppose he began to say plant his feet and say hang on a minute here this is a gig like it's, I'm not just mm. I'm not just a fella that I was doing for years sitting in the corner of a bar playing to please everybody mm. he began I think to say I'm a serious I saw him in Semple Stadium the first year that uh, the trip to tip was, trip to tip was on I was mm. at that and Christy came on and said quite loudly to everybody I'm a serious musician hang on here stop talking and he, he silenced a whole football pitch that day to tell them to be quiet yeah. do you know what I mean and up to Last year, he's been doing it in Vicar Street as well. There's a great video if you check it out. If you can find it, post a little bit of it on here where he's telling the couple to be quiet. Oh, yeah, Not yeah. in so nice a terms, though, yeah, I have to say. Yeah. But he's 
He's fierce Put your money and leave. Um, I was up uh, one time in, in, in Vicar Street and he was playing Nancy Spain. Yeah. And he started off playing the song. And now he's just like some old fella down in the, you know, like he's yeah. the, the, the bog is in him. You know, you can take the man, 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 you can take a man out of the bog, but you can't yeah, take the bog right, out of a man. Right, yeah, and yeah. the bog is in him. Yeah. And he starts off singing this Nancy Spain lovely song and he just puts the hands down. He goes, now if you keep singing along with this, you're going to make shite of it. Yeah. Just like that. That's right. Yeah. And looked up at, uh, and then went back into the song. And some for some reason, I think he had he had a, a double-edged sword himself, and he mightn't have realised it. He drew so many people in. I saw him in the Point Depot when he came on to do it. Uh, he did a coast to coast thing. It was recorded one night as well. It's live at the Point. Is the CD? Yeah, yeah, that was great CD. That. Yes, excellent. Uh, well, I went to one of those gigs as well, and he started off his uh, song about the Rosa Trilly. And his first line was, put your hands in your pockets. He meant for the audience to be quiet. Put your hands in your pockets and I'll tell you a story. He meant, be quiet. <laughs> would, you, would you like to do a song from Christy? Uh, yes, I don't mind, of course, yes. What could we do? What would you like to hear? <laughs> Whatever you think, Jerry. Okay. I know you probably have... Yeah. I don't have an awful lot of songs that, uh, that I'd sing because uh, Christy is... Um, I, I would know about 50 songs, I'd say, of Christy Moore's. So mm. but, um, because I... I saw his image that night uh, back in years and I wouldn't say Christy even remembers that it was it was in the Navin in the Beachmount in the Beachmount Hotel mm. there was many mommy, me, many uh, memories good and bad over there uh, absolutely uh, me too yeah after uh, long after that time actually you know when I used to go over to, to discos and everything like that Beachmount yeah. I actually played in Beachmount not in the same place as him but I actually did it as a, at yeah, a it was song just, just well. slightly before my time but I think uh, uh, we yeah, went into the tail end of it you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> I had a few years on you all right <laughs> So I hope. Um, uh, what are you thinking? Uh, let's have a stab at Black as the Colour. Oh, lovely, yeah. Black is the colour of my true love's hair. Her lips are like some roses fair. She has the sweetest smile. Gentlest hand, and I love the ground whereon she stands. I love my love, and well she knows. I love the ground whereon she goes. The color of my true love's hair. Her lips are like some roses fair. She has the sweetest smile and the gentlest hand. I love the
I'll go to the Clyde and I'll mourn and weep for satisfied I never can be and I'll write her a letter just a few short lines and suffer death a thousand times black is the color of my true love's hair her lips are like some roses fair she has the sweetest smile and the gentlest hand. I love the ground whereon she stands. I love the ground whereon she stands. Soft cherry, great song. Um, tell me about your picking style. My picking style is uh, my picking style. Jeez, I didn't really realize I had a picking style. You have a picking style. Uh, I have a couple of styles. I would say I spent a long time in the prior to all to meeting Ken and everything else. I was interested in guitar and I was, but it was more of an ornament. But I was. Uh, do you know my first? I had two guitar lessons. I just remembered when I was about the same age as I got the guitar. Right. And Jimmy Smith's dad, Jimmy Smith, my dad was a pal of his years right. ago. So we're talking 45 years ago. Yeah. At least, I'm just going to call. <coughs> it's about 45 years ago. Jimmy Smith's dad was giving lessons and he was bringing his son along. Not Jimmy from the bogey boys, but another son mm -hmm. along. And I got two guitar lessons from, from Jimmy's dad. And the lessons were this, and I'll give you the two lessons now. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was 50 pence for a lesson in the young man's hall in Trim, and we had to go and ask Father Kenny for the key. But Jimmy's dad would show up in a, in a beautiful suit, and he was, I was scared because it was real music. He was showing notes, and, and I hadn't a clue, but he said, yeah, I'll show you. Come on. Right, right. Right. So this was the first lesson. <laughs> learned that for next week okay right and I went off and I learned it and I was trembling I went up and I played it and he said that's great now learn this there to F learned that for next week and I went back the next week and he wasn't there and I went round to the Father Kenny in the parochial house where they were supposed to collect the key and he said no he didn't come this week I don't know what's wrong so I went home right and I went up the next week no he hasn't come again and I never saw him again. He got sick. I only found out later. And I actually contacted Jimmy, I would say about two years ago, when COVID brain was in everybody. And I was thinking, what am I going to do for the afternoon? And Jimmy came on doing a live thing on, on Facebook, like we were all doing live yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I said, geez, you know, I'll ask Jimmy, does he remember? So very kindly, Jimmy very soon got back to me and said, yes. He said, my dad was around that time doing lessons, but he got sick. He got ill enough that anyway, and it wasn't worth probably pursuing. It was only <coughs> me. Jimmy's son and, and the Jimmy himself, the, the dad. Right. So I don't know if there wasn't enough people to do, to run the gig, but uh, I got those two lessons. That's yeah, what I got yeah. from Jimmy Smith's dad. Now, now anyone that knows Jimmy Smith will know the fine guitar player he is. And the 
the heights he's reached in his music and everything else. So I lost out on that by yeah. <laughs> like the two lessons. So well after that, it was improvisation and my finger style that you were talking about. <coughs> I was watching um, John Williams playing Cavatina, and I we got a video recorder in the eighties, right. and I wore that out trying to play Cavatina, which I never fully finished. Um, but I began to realise there had to be a style. You have to start with your thumb. Yeah. What you, you, you've you've what did you say? Three different styles. I have three or four. I would say for for like um. That kind of thing. That's that there. That's it. That there. That's Gene Englishby. Right. It's lovely. Can like you can you play that? So your finger picking style there. Can you just play that? Play any song? I could probably yeah. I could probably make that work. It's to do with tempo rather than anything. It's so I could play like um. Like let's see. That's why you want for the crack. What should we try? Um, because it was probably a country song or something that would work. You know what I mean? You could. You, could you were doing something there. Just we were rehearsing there. You were doing um. Oh yeah. La la la. Was that was that was that the same? Sa that's it. Yeah, should we give it a give it a bar? There you go. I'm just a poor story seldom told. I have squandered my resistance on a pocket full of mumbles and our promise. All lies and jest still the man hears which one he wants to hear and he lovely it's it's uh, an easy style you see but it's built on on timing mm. it's built on a time you, you have to get a timing right the fingers are just operating on a on a boom ba boom ba boom ba boom and they're going on, yeah. on uh, almost automatic automatic automatically yeah. and you you've got to grind that into your brain over the years over the years constant over I'm and constantly over and over doing again. that but uh, you know um another style um thompson's okay richard thompson has a style which is a uh, like that so it's it's finger Tom, it's probably at the same time. Mm. Lovely ding off that bass. <laughs> I was 19 when I came to town. They called it the summer of love. They were burning babies, burning flags, the hawks against the dawn. I took a job in the steaming down on Cauldron Street. Fell in love with the laundry girl who was working next to me. She was a rare thing, fine as a bee's wing. So fine a breath of wind could blow her away. She was a lost child, and she was running wild. She said, as long as there's no price on love, I'd stay. But you wouldn't want me any other way. With brown hair zigzagged round her face and a look of half surprise, like a fox caught in the headlights, there was animal in her eyes. And she said, oh man, oh, can't you see that I'm not the factory kind? And if you won't take me out of here, I'd surely lose my mind. She was a rare thing, fine as a bee's wing. 
So fine a breath of wind could blow her away She was a lost child And she was running wild She said as long as there's no price on love I'll stay But you wouldn't want me any other way around the market towns and picked fruit down in Kent and we could tinker lamps and pots and knives wherever we went and I said that we might settle down and get a few acres dug with the fire burning in the hearth and babies on the rug and she said oh man you foolish man that surely sounds like hell you might be lord of half of the world but you're not only She was a rare thing, fine as a bee's wing, so fine that I could crush her where she lay. She was a lost child, and she was running wild. She said, as long as there's no price on love, I'll stay. But you wouldn't want me any other way. We were camping down in the Gower one time The work was pretty good And she said we shouldn't wait for frost And I thought maybe we should But we were drinking more in those days And tempers reached a pitch And like a fool I let her go With her rambling She was a rare thing As fine as a bee's wing So fine a breath of wind Could blow her away she was a lost child And she was running wild She said as long as there's no price on love I'll stay I heard she sleeping rough Back on the derby beat White horse in her hip pocket And a wolf hound at her feet And they say she even married once A man named Romany Brown And even a gypsy's caravan Was too much settling down And they say her flower is faded now Hard living and hard booze Maybe that's just the price You'll pay for the chains you will refuse her more than ever words could say and if I could just taste all of her wildness now if I could hold her in my arms today then I wouldn't want her any other way That is a. It's a beautiful song, yeah. Richard Thompson, and that's his style. I'm sorry, that's his, that's his finger, uh, kind of his finger style. Yeah. That's just, a, that's amazing. I like, don't, like, I do that completely different. That's Every, different everybody that's knows Christie's version. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, that's a completely different version to 
what I'd be, what I, the way I'd play it, or yeah. what I'd hear, you know, yeah. the likes of Absolutely. Uh, Whistling Donkeys and all these guys playing it, completely different. That's just amazing. That's, that's you know. uh, Thompson's, I was playing that, I'm playing that about 10 years, I'd say. I played it before Christie had a kind of a, it became popular because the storyline is so beautiful mm, mm. and sad. Um, yeah. Thompson apparently wrote it, and I sing this with um, the legend of Luke Kelly all the time when I'm out. I sing that song. People ask for it uh, in various places and everything because they love the song and the version. But that's Thompson's, almost his original version, yeah. I would say. It's his original slide. This is actually a replica of... Uh, yeah, this is a replica of Richard Thompson's guitar f from the Loudoun Company. Really? <laughs> yeah, this, this is what Richard Thompson, it's this a Thompson model. This is um, uh, just, what you've played there now is just, like, it's extraordinary. Um, because I'm so used to listening to, um, and, and the popularity of that song uh, is after, you know, it's after going through the route. People do I blame Christy Moore for that, mm. so I do, but... But the access he has to such a broad audience, they've yeah. heard it from, from his what, what I find with that song in particular is if, if, if I'm doing a gig and I'm playing yeah. the country, like drives to whatever and it is, yeah. Yeah. and then they'll be asking me, Beeswing, Beeswing, Beeswing. Right. And I feel like Christy Moore because they're like, if you don't shut up to fuck, <laughs> you're not going to hear Anton here. That's so 100%. I'll play it with two or three fingers or whatever. It wouldn't be as advanced as yours now, but it's, it's quiet, it's low, you have to turn up the whole system. Yes, absolutely. Um, you have to turn up the whole system to get the, to get it out, yeah. and um, should they'll, they'll be looking for something to dance to, even though they're asking for beeswing. That's that's a hundred percent. But they they believe uh, there's plenty of places I go to now. I did, I did uh, before COVID, just coming up to COVID. I sang it at Vicar Street with uh, Chris and Joe and Hillary, four of us there. Yeah, yeah. Tribute. Um, and we sang it anyway. We sing in a different key. We sing in the original key, which is F. Okay. Thompson sings in F. It is. And we, we did it that way, and Joe has a lovely piece of music goes in the middle. But the moment we started, we started it that way, but people immediately started. Oh, yeah, them. yeah, yeah. And we had to say, shush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to shush 1,100 Dublin people. <laughs> yeah. so, there's, but there's they're used to that version, you see, that's the thing. But that's, that's why I, tr I try to push the original. If you go on YouTube and look at Thompson's version, when he's, it's just gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, magic on its own. And um, I start, sorry, I was, I'm going over my words again. But I no, no, no. I was playing it before I heard Christy playing it, and I was playing it that way. But then as soon as Christy brought it out, everybody was starting to, to play it and to hear it being sung. And he has different words as well, and a different uh, chord I know structure. I know some of the words that you were singing are different too. Yeah, he's a different chord structure as well, so he has, you know. Yeah, like I yeah. between himself and Decky Sinnott, they worked out something that was... Suited them. To remember and closer to what Christie likes to do, you know. Suited so, so them, um, and that's a good thing too. You something know. that you've uh, just a way you're picking there reminded me of a song. I'm not sure whether you're familiar with it or not. A lovely song, uh, "The Streets of London." Oh yes, that, that's that's one of the tunes that I, I would have heard in my early days, as well as the obligatory. Would you know? Can song. you can you play a little bit? Of it? I I do you know? It's a long time since I ever played the like of that, but it would be something like. Yeah, it's a long, it's a long, Thank you. 
I don't have any memory. Now you see the 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 get picking memory is is invisible to me. It's, yeah, just it's automatic. Getting a tempo, but to remember the songs and to do it some justice as yeah, well. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah. I'm I'm enjoying having fun here. I don't mind that at all. But yeah. um, um, tell me about the. Uh, I'm looking forward to the gig. Um, your 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 gig coming up. Yeah. I'm looking forward to sitting there and just watching you doing your thing. And here's Jerry in his element. Fucking. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the, the gig in the solstice is happening on the 27th of October. It's the bank holiday weekend and it's right on the cusp and uh, right on the mouth of rather the Puka Festival in Trinum which is, is going to be a huge event there's a lot of things happening mm. musically around that time so um, I still I'm still delighted going forward with it and I'm looking forward to meeting and greeting a lot of people I hope yeah, you know, um, yeah. I'm going to play a, a range of songs I think across the folk genre and I, I try to put that across to people I probably won't play a lot of what you would understand as you'd say ballad music. I'll mm. play some. I definitely. But what does that what does that mean? Well, to me, I wouldn't be playing. I was probably wouldn't play a Wolf Tones number. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That'll be considered, I could say, a ballad. I probably won't get round to some of those songs. I will do some. Mm-hmm. I'll do some songs. I would say from. I'll do some songs from Paul Brady, from people like Pete Seeger. Mm-hmm. I might do a Dubliners number here and there. I, pr- I probably will because they're great songs. Yeah, yeah. But I'll also go over to the American side and I'll play some stuff from um, Dan Crary. Uh, one or two songs that I would be kind of known for for doing. Mm. Uh, I'll I'll do that kind of stuff. I'll do some. What would you say? Off center kind of. I'll do a Spalan yeah, yeah. song. I'll do a John Spalan song. So I'll try and pick songs from from different areas than the usual places. Yeah, you would hear people playing from, and I'll try to replicate them best I can. I'll do a couple of Neil Young songs, maybe a Tom Waits song. I'll probably stretch to a Leonard Cohen number. Okay. So I, as much folk as I can take, and I play a five string banjo as well. Right. I'll play some of that on the night, and I'll, I might give a c- one Christie number with a bow on. You never know. Yeah. So. It's 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 um I've heard Christie uh, doing um that first gig I was saying to you about before yeah. back in, the in Euromore, um he got up and he did um took the banjo out and he sang this song I forget now what the name of the song was but it was about um, the husband and the wife fighting and she stitched them up oh yes that's right yeah yeah, uh, yeah. that's on one of his latter albums um, so it is uh, it's not called a stitch in time is it or something, something like, that. like that but it's it a is, fairly brutal song now when you sure <laughs> it's I, like it. I, I presume he wrote he, he was he did a couple of albums in fairly quick succession that time if I remember correctly mm. Would that be the 90s, late 90s, maybe? Early 2000s? Oh, early 2000s, I'd say. Yeah. I was off on the adventures with Derek Warfield and, and the Wolf Tones at that stage, and I, I, I lost touch with Christie's music at that point, briefly. Tell so me about that. That was a whale of a time. So <laughs> go back to the beginning there and tell me that. Well, That's, uh, I was very lucky in so far as uh, by the time I had seen Christie back in the 80s and I said I was going to become a musician, by the time I left that gig that night, I was planning how I was going. I was a little kid. I was a little kid. It was it was probably the wrong thing to do, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't advise my own son or anyone to really to go so hell for leather an idea without looking at something else in there. But it just drew me in like nothing else. Yeah. And so I, I went off, I was I got back into the guitar, I was playing locally, I was playing with my dad's band, I was playing everywhere all over the place. I was playing with Ken Gillick in a in a, a band called Sailor V, a heavy metal band. And sure we were knocking great sport out of that for ages and then I, I was back playing with a uh, I met a man called Mick McKenna so I did um, who was t- 
to this day, I think the best musician I've ever sat down to play. He could play a Django Reinhardt style like nobody I've ever heard before. Mick would be related to and a good friends of my family. Mm -hmm. My dad introduced me. He says, he says, see that guy over there? We were playing one night. And my dad finally says, yeah, man, that's, that's Mick McKenna. He says, you got to hear him play. You know, so we made an agreement to meet. After the I was doing a Saturday night gig in the, in, in the town in the last straw. I was about 17, 16, 17 maybe. And <coughs> we went to, we went the next morning up to the pub and Mick was there by appointment. He says, yeah, I'd love to meet you, you know. Mm. And I thought this is going to be great fun. I had about seven or eight calls, I'd say. It was like, <laughs> it was like a brand new player walking in and saying to Django Reinhardt, let's have a song. Because this man's ability was unbelievable to me. And to this day, he was superb. And anybody who knows Mick, I actually played a few songs at the Mick McKenna. They have a day for him every year in the local library. Yeah. His pals come down from Dublin from the California Mandolin Band. I've seen it advertised. I didn't get a chance to get in now, but I heard about it. It's and it's they it's sing uh. in, in and play tunes. They, they play a lovely jazz style. Mick had this lovely swing. So I was learning this off Mick McKenna, and he was a kind of educating me, you know what I mean? In, mm. in, in a very kind, kind gentleman. He was saying, listen to this guy, listen to that guy, watch that music. So he gave me a great education. And for about three years, Mick, myself, and another great friend of mine called Declan Flynn played around all over Leinster. We played. And Mick would come down and spend a lot, because he's from Trim originally. Right, yeah. So he hung out with his brother, and we were having a whale of a time. I was trying to leave up to tell you how I got further on to the... So from that, then, I used to go and meet uh, Barney a good lot, because I used to go to Dublin and play a gig with Mick then, in Hope. And I used to sleep in Barney's house. The other weekend, I'd be drinking pints. And Where was Barney that time? Where was he living? Barney be on tour. He was living in Hope. Right, and okay. He'd be on tour, but we get in touch with him, and he said, "No problem. You can go in and stay if you want." And Mick never stayed. Mick would go home. What's his? Sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but, but what's his connection here? He's he's connected here, and I should know this, but he's connected here locally to. What's the he, connection? He's here? No connection. He's, he bought a, he bought land and a house. Oh, that's down what here is. in Conneberry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he did, and uh, he lived there happily. That's. Uh, Barney was a um, did he hide away? Barney was a fisherman who got caught into music by accident. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that's how I saw it anyway. Barney, he, he was just as happy living his life whatever way it, it came. But he was he'd be on tour with the Dubliners and everything. And yeah, I used to go and say now plenty of times he he wouldn't and he'd come down and play on a Saturday night. We were doing a little gig in um, trying to think of the name of it now. Little pub and hall anyway, but it's gone. The pub is gone anyway. The lighthouse it's called the lighthouse, and myself and Mick would play there. So I'd sing a few ballads, and Mick would play this sublime back and music and then he'd play some of the swing stuff that uh, that I understood and you know if he was confident I knew it he'd play it that must have been some crack Larry. it was fantastic fun. especially especially for you that's kind of you know maybe at that stage a junior musician or whatever you know so like I hope I'll always be that yeah, well, it's and a great place to you're be. playing with this, uh, that, and it's just like it's like it's like when I'm watching you playing B's wing yeah. there, I'm just like fucking hell, that's a different yeah. level to what I'd be at. Do you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's the same thing, but different. And then you're looking at uh, Mick, and he he's but she's he was just playing this wonderful stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, um, well, he'd be playing stuff like Georgia Brown and Sweet Georgia Brown. And stuff. Mm. Everybody loves that I might sing along with him if I knew it. And 
uh, Sweet Sue and different songs like that. Simple stuff, I would say, for anyone beginning in swing jazz. Yeah. But Mick was playing down to me. But on a few occasions then, he and Barney would get together and they'd play. And Barney had a, a mean Georgia Brown. He could play it very well, you know. Right. So the two of them would be hitting off one another and sometimes Porrick would come up, uh, Mick's relation, great friend of mine, Porrick would come up and he could play fantastic trad tunes as well. And should we'd have a whale of a time. We know sleeping and that, we just staying yeah. awake all night. And, and we'd have great fun doing those kinds of things, you know. And then uh, on a few occasions that we met up, and I could see Mick went over and he, John Sheehan and a few of us were, were together for some reason in a pub. Um, it might have been the funeral, after a funeral uh -huh. somewhere. And we, we'd played at the mass and we went back. And you could, I was sitting with Mick, and Mick's level would go right up. He and John Sheehan and would be playing all this other classical stuff, and Mick would just sit by. Oh yeah, that classical tune. Yeah, no problem. What key? <laughs> yeah, no he bother. Wasn't, he wasn't being uh, cocky about it. He was just—he was sure he was going to play it fantastic, and he yeah. always did. Yeah, he was wonderful. You know, it's so. it's a uh, it's you know from from being a, a a junior musician or you know like let's say a yellow belt a yellow belt so to speak yeah. uh, musician, and you see somebody that can just go. Doo -doo 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 -doo. What's that? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That, like and and Mick worked every day. He didn't Mick didn't uh, push himself into a professional role. But he played with all the best players all the time. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and could. That's and some lads, uh, uh, we tried our hat at a, a band years ago. And um, there was one guy from Trim, um, Darren Newman was his name. Yeah. And he could play the guitar. And it just used to make me sick. Yeah. Because uh, we, we were trying out, we, 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 we tried this um, Elvis tribute band. And we right. were throwing out different songs that might suit or whatever it was. Yeah. And we were listening to tapes or whatever it was at the time and I says uh, what about this what about that can you play that can you yes yeah, yeah. and he's like <laughs> yeah yeah and he just and he could yeah. oh jeez yeah. 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 yeah you know and I was struggling with A, B you know with, yes, with G, C and D the time it was, yeah. and he just go and it'd be no perfect I know you know you, you get a certain level of understanding we were talking about this much earlier on you get a certain level of understanding and it puts you in the game mm. to a degree but it doesn't complete you still have to rehearse yeah. and Finer points together, but you certainly could uh, busk a song yeah. once you got used to playing certain lot of chords. And, uh, we were talking um, before we started here about how music can take you everywhere and anything. Absolutely. And from where we all start at the end of the bed, playing away a song and bashing out the guitar. Yes. For me, it was the love of the sound, the ding, as my mum used to say, yeah. the ding of the guitar. Yeah. And I just kept at it and at it and at it. And I, you know, did whatever I did, you know, did what I did with it. Um, and you're doing what you're doing. It's not mm. done by any means. It's oh, God, no, no, no. But, but you know, as, as I was learning, I just went through that, um, you know, just rep just doing it over and over and over oh, and over again. But what kept you going, or what ke kept me going, was the um, the love of the sound. Because yes. bits and pieces of it you get right. Yes. Like a martial arts technique. Sometimes it would work out, sometimes it wouldn't. Oh, and then... Yes, you know, yeah, yeah. you get a little bit of it that would work out right. Yeah. As you'd see the instructor do it in musical terms, then the song would just go lovely with the finger picking or whatever it is, and then you'd yeah. make shite of it and you go, oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> well, I remember again. doing the exact same thing as you. Uh, years and years ago, I remember, um, uh, what was the Elvis song? Since my baby left me. Heartbreak Hotel. Found a new place to dwell. Yeah. Down at the end of love. I, I was doing that song, and I, I got me, me brother to sing it, me, bro me youngest brother to sing it to my parents, because I was too shy to sing. Right. But I said, oh, Ridley here, my brother's singing this song now for you, and I'll play it. 
it was really I wanted them to hear me playing because I was I learned this from Ken. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I put that in at the start and in the middle and at the end. Yeah. Because that was the bit that was going right. <laughs> I could do that bit, you know what I mean? And it didn't yeah. really matter for the rest. And when you, know? you when you learn how to play a little jiggle like that or a little yeah. lift or whatever it is, and you're you know, you're young and you just got it the first time and you played it a few times, you're like, Oh well, this sounds just Oh I'm, I'm on the ball here, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. another thing was that this And you throw it in everywhere then. I was playing it I used to put the guitar down after I'd learned something because I learned this look. Some other guy walking in the garage said, I think I heard fellas playing that. Hey. So I went home and found out what A was. <laughs> and then I was listening to the tune, and I, I don't know that I see a video or someone playing it, but I mimicked, and I eventually got the notes right. And as soon as I got it, it was like I had crossed some line that I shouldn't have crossed, because as soon as I got it right, <laughs> I put the guitar down. <laughs> right. Oh, I'm not getting that right now. That's amazing. Like as if, like as if. As uh, I've done the wrong thing almost. Yeah. I, I, I was one of those end-of-the-bed players, as you said. That's actually sounding like music, and I've I've no education in music. Mm. What am I doing here? Really and truly, I thought, and I kept at it and kept at it. It probably was Ken or some of the lads in the band that had educated me. There was no videos to watch or anything like that yeah. at the time, you know. Yeah. So it was probably something like that. It's um. You have um. T- to me, it sounds like um. There's the beginning bit that sounds like a song that was out a couple of years ago called Titanium. It stings every breath you take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, tight yeah it's, it's so it, was, it was I was going to say to you, uh, P. Diddy. Yeah. And of course, Sting. That's right. Sting, yeah, it's yeah. a big song. Yeah. But uh, there was another song there, Titanium, that the, the beginning riff to that, a couple of notes were very, very similar. Oh, like you know. It could have been. That was, th- it was uh, Andy, Andy Summers, isn't that the guy in the band? Mm. But that was it. And then there's another version here I saw. I actually saw Sting playing this when he was playing on the. Remember that um, thing that. Boonton Rats guy put together the huge concert back in the, in the in 84 oh the Band-Aid Band-Aid yeah uh, was before yeah Band-Aid Band-Aid yeah and Sting played it that way because he was on his own this sounds lovely it's a class you know what I mean yeah. the finger style thing yeah. oh see that's right up my street as well but by that time can, I you, can, you, can you just play the sequence of chords for that little bit yeah I can yeah yeah just uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ju- it just sounds lovely like that mm, yeah, yeah 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 I mightn't be able to get all through, through the s- the we're singing at the time. <laughs> oh, I don't mind about singing. No, it's just it, uh, to me, it just sounds lovely in the guitar. Someone can name that chord now, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure somebody can. I can't. But I remember can. learning these chords, and every so often I come across a song now, and it's looking for this chord. And luckily enough, you can go on to it's Ultimate so Guitar and find it. Yeah. And yeah. And I would say to anybody who who hears this, uh, starting out, any person starting out, go online, learn the little sequences. Yeah. Small, small steps. Yeah. But uh, if you're lucky enough to get it into your soul, the way I feel it happened to me. You'll be, you're on a winner. You know what I mean. It's a, it's a, you had spoke earlier about it being um, the sound of the guitar really drew you in. Yeah. Well, for me it was total expression. Uh, vocal expression. To sing a song was uh, able to ex- 
express myself mm-hmm. because I wouldn't have done it if you'd asked me a question how are you feeling today Jerry I wouldn't have known what to say to you but I could sing a song that might express sadness or happiness or yeah. and that's what I did for years so that was the thing I really found it was a kind of a, a medicine before I knew what I was doing and hence the album coming out then with the songs that were sad in it and everything that the guy said it was a pain album <laughs> yeah. you know <coughs> sometimes so it, was, it was brilliant for me and any person starting out should could use it as a, a vehicle to self-expression mm. there's a there's a I guess um, there's great self-therapy sometimes in playing on your own yes just and th- there's this there's the sound of the guitar there's that energy that goes out yes there's that energy that comes in like a breath in and out 100% um, I think it teaches you to open yourself up open your mind up in yeah. ways as well yeah. and the mind-body connection it's like a workout for me, you know what I mean? I feel I've mm. done something mm. worthwhile Yeah. if I've played. E- as you said, even for yourself, especially for yourself, because you're probably much more emotive. You can control the, the power that you get into the strings or the softness or whatever it is you want to say and what you want to say. Yeah. So it really you're, 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 you're your own audience. Absolutely. And you can adjust that then to, to the moods. Sometimes um, if I was playing maybe here in the house or whatever I might play a sad song I might play a happy song yeah. you know yeah. if the kid is with me here we'll play the we'll play song. something that works yeah. <laughs> do you know no, 100% that, that that's uh, isn't that a wonderful ex- add-on in your life to have yeah it's a, I find it very interesting now my daughter Robin she's uh, just over a year and a half old and <coughs> I've sat her at the piano out there from the very beginning yeah. bouncing along the songs and in the car we're singing all these songs and I go to some of the music shows for the kids to, to it's, g- it's good for I enjoy it nearly as much as she does you know oh, and it's interesting to see her react to various different songs so you have the typical songs like the wheels and the bus baby shark and these type of songs yeah yeah but uh, by chance uh, I throw in a country song some of the stuff that I like listening to yeah and one of her best reactions uh, uh, song is uh, the Westmead Bachelor from um Joe Dolan. And she goes nuts in the back of the car. That's my point exactly. She's hearing something she would not otherwise perhaps have heard. Yeah. You know, only for your putting music her way all the time. This was what happened to me when I was very young, when I was about five or six. My dad was in a band, so I was naturally drawn to it. Yeah, yeah. He started just saying, Have you ever heard this song? Have you heard that song? You know, and he would play along and he had a tin whistle and he'd like yourself with your own kid. So he was he was nurturing, the, even though he did probably didn't realise that he was doing it at the time. Yeah, yeah. Mm, but uh, that was always the way. And My I uh, think it's a great thing for any any person. Father was um, he had uh, the piano, and every yeah. Sunday morning he used to come down and go Juma. Sometimes it would be go Juma. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday morning usually go Juma. Yeah. And he'd come down and he'd hop on the piano. We'd be uh, at that stage, from memory, we were kind of early teenagers, so we were hard to get out of bed most of the time. Oh. Mum would have to fry on or breakfast or whatever she'd be doing and uh, there'd be a nice little atmosphere in the house and then he'd light up the piano and Great. he'd play now he used to play all the same songs all the time even though he could play by ear yeah. I'd ask him I remember one time going in asking him to play uh, The Walk of Life came out and oh I asked yes, him yeah. to play can you play this song By Your Straits thing isn't it By Your Straits yeah and uh, like that yeah, and he just listened to it once and he was like da, 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 la, la, da, da, da. and yeah. I was like how do you do that? <laughs> how do you do that? <laughs> yeah. But it was a, it was a great uh, atmosphere, and then we had um, there was a couple of songs then as kids then that he d- that we'd ask him to play over and over again. 
Johnny Be Good was one of them and oh, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. You know what I mean? It, yes. was, it was it was great stuff, you know. And it was right up his street, of course. He could probably play the oh yeah yeah style on yeah the piano yeah yeah. He, he played the uh, what did you say? The boogie woogie style. It's That's exactly what he did. Yeah yeah. It's yeah. like that thing I was playing with yourself. That's it. Probably yeah. something along yeah. the lines of that he'd put on with the left hand. He played he played the same the same type thing on yep. the piano and we just you couldn't listen to it enough. Yes, of course. It's you know, makes you dance. Yeah yeah yeah. What would um. When you're doing a gig, Jerry, what would your what would your go-to songs do? Would you have a kind of a general set list in your head? Would you have? Would you leave a little bit loose? I would always leave it loose. I would never put up a, a full set list. I would have songs that I would, as you said, I would go to. Yeah. What I would usually do is I'd be trying to project myself. I wouldn't be necessarily thinking about the people. <laughs> Certainly not in a pub or a hotel because often people aren't really truly listening. Yeah. Un- unless you can draw them in. But um, if you go to a place like a theatre or somewhere where people are coming to hear you play, yeah, you got to put your best stuff out there, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I would then I would definitely have a set list and I would try and rehearse them and uh, I'd have them rehearsed. But some of the songs I'm playing for most of my life and even if I rehearse them differently now, if I'm with some other people, I rehearse them differently. But if it was myself, it's like speaking a language. You get caught up in the in being yourself. So I try to hold it loose all the time if I was going to a gig. Do you get nervous? Uh, I used to. I used to be petrified. And I found that when a lot of changes happened in my life, I would go through a period of maybe not feeling up to the job. Uh, I was doing some gigs with Chris a couple of years ago there, the legend of Luke Kelly, only last year, and we were in pretty big venues. And when it would come my turn to sing, I would be shrinking away in my mind. What kind of venues are you talking about? Uh, We're talking about... Uh, Vicar Street, the Grand Opera House in, in Belfast, Kay. 800 people. Yeah. Uh, places like that, you know. So lots of people coming along to hear the legend of Luke Kelly thing. But it's fine. Chris is the singer. I would only sing three or maybe three numbers in the night. Mm. But I'd be playing for every song and playing the guitar. And all of those songs would be fine until it came to my three songs. And I, c- I noticed the difference in myself. Uh, after my both of my parents passed there, 2020, my mother did. After that time, um, I spent about six months, I'd say, really dreading going to play because I said, uh, I know I'm going to, it, I got it in me, psychologically it got in me that it was going to fall down. Right. Somehow, you know, in psychologically fall down, I was going to say, this is, this is, I'm going to have to stop. And, and I, I could feel every face and every person staring as if to say, you know, we've come to hear, yes, yes, we're all being silent now, come on, play. Yeah. I could hear this voice going on and I was petrified. And then I got over that, I would say, I don't know, took about five or six months I'd say, of just threatening the idea and I went back then when, when I began to get over the the, the grief uh, my confidence raised up again I, I wanted to mention that because people go through that in their lives for every reason do you know what I mean whether yeah. you're a plumber or a gigger driver or whatever you do yeah there's going to be times when everything is not smooth scale uh, smooth playing and people do think that musicians are permanently happy <laughs> are we fuck on switched <laughs> on kind of people you know what I mean absolutely not I think the reason they're musicians is because they're not permanently happy yeah. that they try to present a happy uh, outside some do or some musicians are uh, you know there's there's uh, there's some musicians that are uh, seem to be in a constant kind of a you know not not a happy place and, and when they get up on the stage then they become happy and that's their little place or that's whatever it is. That's their escape. That's their yeah. escape. Absolutely. And I tell you another thing now, Jerry, that um that uh where where drink drink is involved yeah. as well. Yeah. I found that uh over 
a few years uh, when I was in Portugal there, uh, drink coincided with the gig. Yeah. People would be buying the drink and everything. Oh, else. unbelievable. And when I was younger, um, I used to, uh, I'm not sure whether I managed it, but the pub was full all the time anyway, so yeah. something was working out right. Oh, sure and then I think as I got a little bit older, I started to see myself in a way that I didn't like. Absolutely. And um, missing words and just, you know what I mean, all this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, fuck this, like, you know, you can't yeah. do this. Yeah. Some lads will get that voice in their head and act on it, and then some lads won't. Some lads try to drown out everything, so they're going further down the yeah, rabbit hole. Yeah. That just doesn't work. See, when I began to work full-time with music, you know, I don't like saying the word professional, but I started to work full-time. That was during the Mick McKenna, start the Mick McKenna, mm. my time spent with Mickey. I'd have to drive, so I used to stay in hope sometimes if I was going to have a few pints, but I was weaning myself. For about a year, I was weaning myself off drinking altogether, and I stopped entirely. Mm. So I had, that was back to the old tone time, I had I'd stopped by the time I left them. Why were you weaning yourself off it? Because I knew I was never going to get through life uh, as a musician and be able to keep up the pace of drinking beer, you know? With the other musicians or just as it kind of coincided with the it thing? No, it was nothing really to do with the musicians. I think the musicians were probably doing it for more of a, a fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they would have had... I felt it was um, I was covering up my real self okay, a lot right. of the time when I was doing that. My real self wouldn't have been... I rather I was trying to protect my real self. You know, I was, uh, what do you call it? What do you call it? You could call it imposter syndrome. I felt, geez, what am I doing here? Like I, I've actually had my dream come true. I'm playing music full time. I went on tours to Germany with traditional groups. I went to uh, the Wolf Tone lads f for three years. I went off and made an album. By the time I'd made the album, I think I was I was finished. I had decided that's it. I won't be drinking because there's a life here aside. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. And I felt pressed to give it up, so I did. And it was the best thing I ever did in my life. So you, you don't drink at all now? I haven't drank in 15 years. Right. Before. And I, I don't miss it, and I would uh, encourage any person going to play music to find a serious place for this music. You see, I grew up, I lapped up music from the pubs, uh, in the pubs and stuff yeah. like that. It was a culture. All coincided with a pint? It all coincided. <coughs> Wakes, weddings, uh, surprise get-togethers on a Sunday yeah. morning. Like You'd be here with your dad playing... No, I could be in the pub or we could be collecting gear or something like that. Yeah. And there'd be, I will have one pint and the same song would break out this kind of. That was my youth, my young days. So that's how I learned to play the guitar. Yeah. You know? And um, I wouldn't have told many people wouldn't ask you where you learned, but that's where I learned. And so I knew that I have to make a, I'd have to sever that tie eventually, you know, at some mm. point. Mm. So I did. Mm. I, I, I found the same thing. I found that if, if, if I didn't. Uh, I think especially when I came back and I started working here. But you knew what y how you felt. Yeah, and then I had, like, both my parents were different types of alcoholics as well. So um, I was mindful of that, yeah. getting <coughs> getting a hold of it, getting a, getting a yeah, hold yeah, of it. If you, you want to have a happy day, if huh? you want a bright day, you, you don't need any other substance to brighten your day. Yeah. Not really. You need to face yourself, I think, to deal with your who you are. And then well, I think you have to look at yourself in the mirror sober yes. anyway, don't you? Yes, you do. Um, then everything will work out. What would you do if you were in bad form? What would you do to brighten your day? These days? Yeah. love spending time with uh, me missus. And we might go off. I like driving. Would you believe that? I like driving. Just driving? I just go for a drive. I yeah. often went down to Kinney Gab to fill the van with Jesus. No <laughs> reason. <laughs> just go off. Uh, yesterday, uh, 
yesterday was Sunday and I went off. I where did I go? I think I was out around Kells and I I don't stop around here. I just go for a drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was there was it's kind of off and it's kind of not, you know. And I'm yeah. looking around it and it's peaceful. I never put on the radio and I like to drive. And yeah. I love driving home from gigs late at night. It's my favourite thing. Yeah. And you wouldn't fall into the tra- <coughs> another another trap as well, apart from the drinking. Yeah. Is fucking chippers. Because you no. know some of, some of these guys, like Brendan no. Grace used to say, I remember reading or listening to an interview or whatever it was, he used to say, oh sure, somebody's commented or said something in yes. an interview about how yeah, yeah. big he was getting. He said, oh sure, I can't pass the chipper. Yeah. Do you know? It's, it's, a, it's a cult. I yeah. have to say that. Years ago, back in the early 2000s and stuff, when I was, was travelling a lot with the Derek Warfield's Wolf Tone thing, uh, we would be, we'd be up and down the same road, right? So the motorway system that's here now was only beginning back then yeah. so there's a lot of smaller roads and towns you had to go through so we'd be going through towns and there'd be a chip shop open at 12 yeah. o'clock and you began to use the same roads so you'd say to yourself well we're heading that way now we're heading to Cork we'd say and Saturday yeah. so on the way back I know in Orlingford there's a little shop and it stays open late so I'd wait and I'd eat my tea then because you're eating your tea at 2 o'clock in the morning well you'd, go, you'd go in and you'd say well your man down there has a nice kebab a nice chicken kebab and, and you're waiting on it yeah. and you know he's going to be there you know you, you, you have a little network around the country or if you go up to Cavan, there's a, there was a little shop in in the garage and on the way into County Cavan, just on the roundabout. Yeah. And we'd be heading for Bell Turbot, perhaps. Is that the garage that has the big uh, the big yep. breakfast? That's the one. That's the one. It's but got you, the go challenge. Yes, I think it is. Yeah, but you, you used to be able to go in there. You see, at late at night, it wasn't a window thing. You could go in and they'd have actually things cooking. Yeah. There's one outside Monaghan. You'd get a fry at four o'clock in the morning. It's great. I was in. Um, I try to avoid all that. I was in <laughs> Dublin there a while ago at a, at a, a gig. What were we doing? We went to a gig. Um, Jesus, now I had to think of who it was. But we ended up going into a spa there on um, just on Dame Street in the corner. Oh, I know. And uh, I couldn't believe it. Why, uh, it was about three o'clock in the morning and they had everything in there fresh. They had yeah. the pudding, the bacon, they had the, uh, the eggs, the whole lot. And it was it was done right like. Oh, it's a great shop. I, and you, I mean, you can walk up to that at three in the morning and there's probably a crowd up there. From right across the spectrum well of, be of life, be, uh, yeah, from, everything from the homeless, poor, unfortunate to some guy every kind out of a creature, cinema, exactly, <laughs> drunk and sober in every sort of way they could be. And, uh, I know it well. I've yeah, I've been there. Will, will we will we play another song, maybe, Jerry? Sure. If you if you don't mind. Not at all. Um, what do we do? Let me see. Um, let's do something American, maybe. I can do an American song for you. I'm not great American country now, but I could do an American No, no, American, style. American, whatever you think yourself. <laughs> well, okay. Here's a tune I learned from a fella called Dan Crowry, who's an amazing guitar picker. Okay? Now, I can't pick. He's a flat picker, he's so that means he uses his plex. But uh, I, being into the poetic side of things, I love the words of this song. So I recorded it a couple of years ago. Um, I called it You Will Get Along Just Fine because I couldn't find the name. Dave Murray gave it to me years ago in my dad's band, so I have it since the 80s uh-huh. in my head. So this is my version of the song, right? But it's an right. American-style song. Okay. And uh, sure, have a listen to it. I recorded it on you, so I did, and I went through all the things you have to do to get your music properly lined up with Imro and everything else, and they said they couldn't find the guy. Now, Dan Crary is well-known, so they could find Dan Crary, but they couldn't find the song. Okay. So... They said to me, you can have the song until we find the owner. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, anyway, that doesn't mean anything at all, you know. Settle myself here now. So, it's a song about growing up and copping onto yourself. When you're <laughs> so, this is a, it's a song for myself, okay? Right. 
Mama was bending over a hot stove Papa was fixing cotton sacks And I was upstairs under the bed Because I didn't want to go to the cotton patch Papa said, son, you can't hide forever up there under the bed Mama gonna give you some good advice Boy, this is what my papa said Ain't that right, babe? Papa said, yeah Gotta reach out and take what you wanna give Don't let go no matter what And don't take more than you really need But you'll get along just fine And ain't that right, babe? Papa said, yeah well, I wish you was more like a brother Jake and not so much like old Eli Hub. Cause Eli's quicker than a barrel of snakes and he's done been to the pokey once. You be messing up with Alma Jones. She's already brought your family shame. It won't take too much messing with her to bring down your good name. And ain't that right, babe? Papa said, yeah. Gotta reach out and take what you wanna give. Don't let go no matter what you do. Take more than you really need But you'll get along just fine Ain't that right, babe? Papa said, Clampett said that his watermelons are disappearing one by one And you happen to pass that way tonight Be careful, Zeke's waiting with a shotgun If he sees you, he'd buy you a bullet And get yourself out from under that bed And all the way down to the store and back I thought about what my puppy said Ain't that right, babe? Papa said, yeah Gotta reach out and take what you want to get Don't let go no matter what and do more than you really need But you will get along just fine And ain't that right, babe Papa said, yeah Ain't that right, babe Great stuff. Dan Carey, I Great remember stuff. him playing something along the lines of that years and years ago when I'd been... Well, I'm sitting quite relaxed here now, actually. I presume I presume that uh, when you're doing the gig, um, you're going to give the audience a bit of a journey or an introduction to some sure. of these songs because yeah. I think, as you introduced that song there, you know, you, you, it's, it's nice to have a little bit of background to some of these songs as well because there's so much attached to them. It's not just... A song or whatever it is, there's a lot of background to yes. it and gives you a different appreciation to it. Then you play it and it's just lovely. Precisely. And that that's I think the difference or the reason why I wouldn't really not really succeed, we'll say, in a in a party style gig mm. or a pub venue really. The reason Brogan's went so well for me is because we stuck I stuck at the one kind of folk genre all yeah. the time. I didn't try to build it up into something else. Uh so that I could feel comfortable myself, I suppose, uh -huh. in one way, but also so that um, I could sing songs I really wanted to sing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't do it consciously. It just happened that way. So what, you, what you're saying about the gig, the one that's coming up now in the solstice, people might not ever hear a song like that because it wouldn't be on the radio. 
and it wouldn't be popular. Mm. And that's the whole point for me. Uh, the poetic side of me, the side that loves words, loves the story in that song. Yeah, yeah. And it's not, not really about the guitar and stuff. It's more of a rhythm. Yeah. And much more about the the feeling that the words bring on a person if they listen. Yeah. So it's an it's vital, I think, to introduce some of those kinds of songs. You know. I'm sure people have told you before, but you have a very unique, unique style. You've a unique style, I think, but between no, the, the have not. I was always trying to fit in with everyone. No, <laughs> but I, th I, I think yeah, you have a very I unique have, style. Um, your way of singing is is unique. You're not trying to sing it like anybody else. No, I, I don't no. think you're trying to sing it. Whereas I'll do a song, and I <coughs> sometimes I might try and sing it the same as the original, or whatever it is. But you just seem to be it's fucking Jerry Tully. This is the way it is. To be myself, but that's the whole th thing. I'm telling you since the eighties. Yeah, I, it's it's a battle to become me. Even yeah. though I'm using songs that don't belong, weren't written by me, I've been singing them because I the, the message that's in them. Some of the Tom Waits songs and the Neil Young songs and that. Yeah, I feel that I have a an ownership of them within myself. Mm. They're part of me. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Even if I stop singing them, this they're in there, and it's like a you know yourself what I'm oh talking yeah about. Yeah when, yeah. when you look in the mirror in the morning and say, "Come on and be yourself," well, that's the same kind of thing that I feel with some of these songs. I'm so long at them. Yeah. And I love adding songs to them, but I'm always I'm very picky. Would you mind um, giving us a little bar of a Neil Young song? Certainly. No Maybe just a small little bit of it or something. Yeah. Um, we could do anything we could do. What, whatever pops into it. You, let's see, we'll do a bit. Just like children sleeping, we could dream our lives away. Mm, but there's a full moon rising high, and the in the in the bass is it it's a drop it's a drop d it's yeah. a, so it's standard tuning all the way apart from the d some people call it it's a, it's a paul brady style lots of people use it. Yeah. but that note there just lovely sound it just has that depth, just yeah. that just big abyss sound from the yes. you know just yes. drops into a into a big hole of bass warmth i hope yeah yeah that's why i chose this guitar actually well. yeah yeah so i've been years and years and years trying to not perfect but trying to come to a place where i feel very 
confidence with what's happening. Yeah, it's only this. I knew this guitar would do it. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 uh, it's some some guitars kind of they kind of change as they move along with you maybe as well. Totally, one hundred percent. You're right about that. The I have another guitar at home, a Taylor guitar, it's an American made guitar, mm. and it has a mid sound, gorgeous guitar plugged in, mm. and I play it at a lot of the Legend of Kerry gigs. Mm. Uh, it's easy for travelling and everything else, and I leave this one at home. But this one was was handmade in Northern Ireland, so it was, and this has a, I don't know, there's a, there's a, it came to me at the right age, at my age, it mm. came to me at the right time, so it did. Funny um, the way these things happen, isn't it? It's an amazing thing, so it is. You know, this is this for me is a legacy guitar. I, I bought this after my parents were gone; both of them had died, yeah. and there was no more. I had to move on. Yeah. And I, well, my wife came along and said, "Look, do something like that. Get yourself something that you can just remember." Yeah. So this came to me at that time, and when I began playing full time, the Taylor guitar came a couple of years after I started that. Yeah. You know, and prior to that, I was using, I think it was a Yamaha guitar, and I've had loads and loads and loads. Uh, I was lucky. I've always been lucky. You know what I mean? It's become a thing. Yeah. But I think I've reached a sound and a, and a place that I like. You were, we were saying before we started as well about um, uh <coughs> we're talking about energy in the gig. Yes. And where you were saying to me that uh, if, if you were in a gig and the place was hopping, the place was full and everything like that, yeah. and the bar owner might come out to open a window, kind of, oh, yes, oh, come yeah. on, That's open right. the window, yes. fucking yes. the heat in here. Yes, yeah. And, and you say, no, yeah. no, 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 because. The way you described it earlier on is like it's nearly like a like a, there's a there's a there's a ghost there's a fog there of of wild energy yep. and if you open that door it'll go. He's, and he's letting the outside in and then we've broken the mood yeah. entirely. But he'd be coming on my behalf because I'd I'd have to bring a change. Oh, I seen you there and you'd be sweating there now. You'd be <laughs> on the ground. But the if, you, if you touch me and even and I mean that literally. I remember one years ago a guy came up to me and I was hammering away. So I wouldn't have a drum machine right now. That's just me. Yeah. And maybe a foot thing. Yeah, I use sometimes, but that's it. And I was flying away, right? And my eyes closed, and I could feel someone touching off me. And a guy came up with a tissue to wipe my head. <laughs> and you were your eyes closed. I was going to have to be dragged off him. <laughs> Will you get away from me? <laughs> <laughs> that's the mood I'm feeling for. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't want to feel better about this. I want to feel this feeling. Yeah, yeah. I want to feel this heat, this intensity. Yeah. Inside my brain, sometimes when I'm playing, and I've my eyes closed and it's going full out. I'm inside wondering what I'm going to get in Super Value tomorrow. Yeah. I'm saying, just don't move now, Jerry. Just stay there for another minute and a half. Get that song over you. Yeah. I've a different dialogue going on. And then I could feel this guy. It was like touching a submarine or something. Saying, oh, oh, there's something in there. What's that? Yeah. But he threw me off. Well, it's, it's like it's like putting a negative charge onto something. You know what I mean? You can't. Yeah. He just, he just, you it know, just knocks you out of circuit. It, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. He just he threw me. He might as well have just uh, pulled out the plug. Well, it, it was funny. We, we were, we were um, before we started. We were just talking about uh, different gigs, and I remember, as I mentioned to you there, just two particular gigs locally, yeah. um, in, in in Shaw's and in um, in Jack Quinn's. Yes. And you'd be going in to start the gig, and uh, as you're starting the gig, you're bringing in the gear. It's about seven o'clock in the evening, a Sunday evening, and whoever's working in there has got a big scuttle of coal, and they've just thrown a fresh <laughs> sup on the That's fucking right. fire. Oh. <laughs> Nothing as bad <laughs> as a winter gig. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't handle a winter gig myself. I now. remember one time bringing a uh, what, a full size fan out, b- out, out, out with me. Yeah, I have one. Uh, in winter. Yeah, oh yeah, well in I winter. The same. I did the same. And when I worked in um, in Portugal in d- in the summer months, like from yeah. um, August and July, I'd have a fan on me full blast. Yeah. 
And if that fan stopped, I couldn't play because I ju you just you sweat too much. You would in in course where you were and everything like that in those countries. Well, it could be 40 degrees at night time. Exactly. No, that's, you're getting hard to breathe at that stage. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're back in, 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 in Ireland and you're in whatever pub. <laughs> yeah. Your back is in the summer. It's and fucking 40 degrees again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 100%. I know it. I know it. I've yeah. always tried it. And you'd always have to have the, you'd have to have your dinner before you go because when you go into the place there's always a lovely smell of dinner but it's gone. It's over. It's over. There's nothing for you. I know, yeah, I know yeah. all about it as well. So um, but they're, they're the pubs style gigs and they're the lifeblood of so much music in this country and so many people like you or me or anybody else. If you, they're the thing that knits musicians together. Yeah. Being able to play those kind of gigs. The imperfection of it all. Music is not necessarily about being on a big stage or being famous or anything else. Music is about being a musician producing music out of your body. Yeah, that's for me is the goal, and I've had to learn that. You know what I mean? Since my earliest looking at your man, Christy Moore. What do you think about? Um, I was watching the late late there on Friday it was the country show, and it's good. So it's good. I got got to watch some of it. Yeah. But um, you see all these country um, stars, yeah, um, singing cover songs of great songs, and they seem to yes. they seem to look for a song that'll you know, cast them up into the into the into the into the sky. They're looking for a hit. Yeah. They're looking for a hit. Um the show started with uh Declan Ernie. Stop the world and let me off. Yeah. And that song is synonymous with him and catapulted him up to the level That's that he's right. that he's at and has been for a long time. And similar musicians have have been lucky enough to catch the same thing. Yeah. Um Nathan Carter with Wagon Wheel. That's uh, right. another one, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um and it's funny how I spoke to somebody yesterday about this, about you know how one song can. Have you heard that song that's out lately, um, the Richmond of Richmond? No, I haven't. It's on it's on YouTube. Uh, it's a it's a song. Um, a guy from Tennessee playing the guitar on his own in the back garden. Um, he's talking about how the governments are trying to, you know, there's there's conspiracy theories okay, built yeah, into the song yeah, about yeah. how the government's trying to keep people oppressed and this kind of thing and that's the general oversight of the of the of the of the song yeah. um at the moment that song is out now probably about maybe two three months and it's at about 100 million hits on on youtube you know and that guy's just gone you know viral, oh yeah, yeah yeah it's gone it's gone viral and they were talking about somewhere he was he was being there was an interview where he was talking about um the gigs the price of the tickets for the gigs and he thought that uh, the price of the ticket should be 20 to 30 bucks. Yeah. But the promoters and all the guys, all the vultures were coming in after him and, right. and they were putting the prices up to 100 and yeah. 200 if you wanted VIP and all that. Right. And he said, fuck this. I'm bringing this gig to a different venue and I'm going to charge the people 20 bucks. Uh, it was n that's And a lot of musicians have that sort of thing. And then other guys don't. They just want to get the money and as much money as they can. That's and like very true. The other s end of that spectrum that jumps to mind is... Um, Garrett Brooks and Crow Park. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know. I know, yeah. Did you go up to it? I didn't go to it. I've never seen Gro uh, Garrett Brooks. Um, Have you not? It's not a music that I would follow, you see. That's the thing. I would I would be listening to other, another style entirely of music. I appreciate it. And I actually did a tour with... Um, I went around Ireland with uh, Trevor Smith's very good... Oh, yeah, yeah. The Friends in Low Places. Yeah. Uh, that was great. And I know... I knew Kenneth. Ken was the guitarist in yeah. the band, of course. 
and I what did you do with them or what was your myself and Emmett Bohan uh, we had a bluegrass thing going on right. at the time so we were playing some uh, some kind of Gillian Welsh songs and stuff like that mm. and we were writing our own stuff so we were I was good pals with all the boys and uh, just said look you want to come and open for us you know we need an open act would you like to come and do it mm. so we did we did one or two gigs in Dublin or something. we did Bickersfield and he said look we're doing an Irish tour if you want to come on if you if you just kind of cement the gig together and it'll be a bit of exposure for you you know what I mean it wasn't yeah yeah none of these things are big money making things like they're not yeah but anyway we did it and we had a whale of a time doing that and the country music scene is is where it's happening in this country yeah uh, yeah there's no doubt about it. I call it interactive music because it involves a crowd oh yeah I yeah. find that some of my songs can be sung when you're alone but if you want to have a great night out in country music you need a crowd Mm, mm. You know, that's not a a bad thing or anything like that. But just with all the bands that are out there now, the Whistling Donkeys and all that, they have a country aspect to them. It wouldn't be Garth Brooks, but they have a country with mm. the drums and stuff, the singing. What I would consider to be ballads and folk. Mm. Or it would have been when I was much younger. Well, you look at uh, the the versions of as we were talking about earlier on about um, Beeswing, yes. where it's to the point where it's nearly turned into a. A jive. A That's your it's nearly turned into a jive yeah. now, you know. And it loses its meaning. Yeah, like I, I, I sang it there maybe two weekends ago, and everybody was dancing. I think I played a few jives, and then yeah. they were like, "Will you play a piece wing, piece wing, piece wing, piece wing?" And I was like, "It's not going to work now. It's yeah. not going to work." Yeah. You know, when somebody asks you for a song, yeah. and you're like, "It's, it's not going to work. It's going to fuck everything up here now." No matter what you do, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not going to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you can't hard to tell like people. People will say. You know, the place is hopping, everything's going grand, and then the uh, girl will come up and she'll say, Will you play Grace? And she'll be adamant about it. Yeah. You know? And you might not want to do it at that point. No. So that's where you do need a little bit of a. Yeah. Play it for you shortly now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll How do, do you deal with that? I tell them I'll play it for you shortly. Yeah. I'm just going to do these last few lively ones where we have people out yeah. dancing, and uh, I'm going to slow it down now. You sit down and take a break. Yeah. Uh, Mr. And we'll sing a couple of these songs, or I might sing Raglan Road or some of those songs that have found their way into this generation, this yeah. younger generation, uh, into their lives. There's a big um, uptake now in folk songs. Recently. Recently. That. Yeah, great. Um, probably over the last, uh, maybe maybe a year before COVID, where they've, I get like like these songs like um, like Beeswing, yeah, yeah. Um, Raglan Road, and Grace the Irish, now. The Irish Grace folk songs almost, yes. Yeah, Grace is, has gone yeah. bananas. Um, and if you've seen there as well with the the huge popularity of uh, the Wolf Tones lately, yes. is after going bananas again. I'm delighted to hear it all. Yeah, long may it last. Um, you know, it's, it's and they're singing like, you know, I'm singing the, the those kind of songs for a long, long time. Um, my dad, one of his favorite songs to play on the piano was uh, "The Town I Love So Well," mm, yeah. fabulous ballad. Yeah. And I remember singing these songs years ago, and sure, people would be no pay no heed to you at all. You, it was just another thing. I, I know exactly the time you're talking about, now ah. where it was just expected almost. So what happened? I think the younger generation woke up to ah. to those to the they, they react differently to songs. You know, I, I know myself. If I went into if I was twenty, or when I was twenty, I could, I went into pubs plenty of times, and people would say, you know, you should stick at the old music. That's what people would say to me. You should stick at that. You'll be good someday. You're a great lad at music, Jerry. You're still at it, are you? Yeah, you're not bad at that now at all. <laughs> at all. That was as much encouragement as you got. Yeah. And when it suited a certain group of people, they really wanted you, and then when it didn't suit them, 
Yeah. Get him out of here or get away or whatever. Yeah. Whereas young people now are um, flocking. This is the interaction, I think. I see p videos of uh, people playing songs like Grace or Dean Clapping or whatever. It's mm. fast, very much. Mm. And young people all have their hands in the air or their phones lit up. That's all commodities we didn't have back then. Yeah, yeah. Know? So there's an interaction between them and the band. I remember um, two years ago listening to, I think, well, from my memory anyway, uh, Brooke Shields came out with uh, a fast version, a rock version of of, uh, fantastic, yeah, yeah. of the Fields of Athen Rise. Yes, he did. Yes. And it sounded like it, it, there was a take on it from there was a, there was an, an overthrow of Thin Lizzy on top of it. Well, well Brooke Shields would be the right man for that job, you see. Yeah. He was he hung out with all those boys. Phil Linnett was his pal. And yeah, so yeah. He do, he does have that uh, rocking kind of. Mm. That's Bruce Shields and more luck to the man. Long may he run, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's great. Um, he would be he would be a, a predecessor to the what you're talking about uh, now with the the younger band, the bands like the Whistling Donkeys and all mm. those bands who now have rocked up these songs, you know. Yeah, and then they pull the trad into it as well, so they'll have a whistle or a banjo or something Which also very strong in it, it, you know. Good because where would a, an accordion player get a job like in, in a rock band? It's great to be able to see that they're... Oh, yeah. That there's musicians playing their actual acoustic instruments that way. Do you go to the FLA? I do. I, I go as a, I went as an onlooker there to Mullingar. Right. Decided and I was actually doing a couple of gigs and came back one of the nights. I was coming up from, I don't know, but I, I came home through Clara and I pulled into Mullingar to see what the crack was like. And it was it was quiet on the night that I was there. You know. Yeah. But I used to love the FLA. I used to, I used to go to, I went to Listole and all those other ones back in the 90s. And Great crack. Absolutely mighty. I went to uh, the one in Drogheda and this one in Mullingar. Yes. Yeah. And when I was in Portugal, people used to come in from all across the country to go, Jesus. I think they were, at the time, the one I was on in, um, in Derry, a big crowd from Derry yeah, came in and they kind of educated me, you want to get to the flower, fucking flowers, the flower, flower, flower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and <coughs> Drogheda was, was incredible. Mullingar was just, like, I'd say... Probably the best festival in the country. Yeah, it's the biggest anyway. It's, it's yeah. the biggest get together of Irish people for what they're known for. Their yeah, and every pub you go into, it's pints of music. Yeah, pints of music. Yeah, and kids there singing songs and they're sitting out. And yeah. my little one was there and she was just walking around with the jaw up and just watching all these kids playing bits and pieces of songs and everything like that. And uh, it's it's great. It's wonderful to see it. The first year of the Mullingar, every the flower happens in the same town twice. Mm. Two years in a row. Yeah, yeah. So which is a, a great thing for economically and every other way. But the first year I did a gig with a uh, virtuoso musician, absolutely superb, Nigel Davy. So myself and Nigel just rang me up and said, Jerry, I need someone to help me cover a gig on a Thursday night, will you come with me? And I had been doing gigs with Nigel on and off, so I'd be playing blues and stuff like that. Right. And Nigel was super. Uh, as a trad player and as a man to back blues or anything you want, Nigel Davy is your man. Right. <laughs> so myself and Nigel went, and the amount of young people I'd say we were, the, we were the oldest. I was the oldest. I'm older than Nigel. The oldest people in the whole pub, apart from the band. Right. Everyone else was 25, 30, under 30. Without us having to try too hard to get them to do that. Yeah, yeah. But this is the interaction. They seem to be, they're willing to go for it. You know what I mean? They're yeah. willing to take part. A lot of younger generation are. How do you find the transfer then, Jerry, from, um, from the pub, the sweat and the atmosphere into a theatre? Uh, it's a different ballgame entirely. You... 
you know what you're going to do before you go on mm-hmm. you've got to have a rehearsed with people so you know where you need to work hard and where you can take it easy I found having I found learning teaching myself to sit down very difficult to sit down to sit down yeah because the others sit down in the band the piper sits down obviously right uh, Hillary sits she plays the bass and she sits and Chris sits on a higher chair okay and then there's a chair there for me every night and Sheree was jumping around like yeah madman here you never sit from uh, from any of the gigs I've I seen d- you I've d- never sat and you, and you wear the guitar high quite high yeah yeah so that I can get a bit of a strum uh, an upstroke to it yeah st- a bit of speed if mm-hmm. I need it so I've never held it down low or anything like that um, yeah s- and it's only now I think in the last year or so that I'm actually having to consciously say sit down down and it doesn't matter you don't have to stand up it won't be a different gig if you don't if you don't stand up so i'm learning to do that that's a big transfer for me yeah. in my thinking and also to um to just let let the others do their thing so I, it's not full on for me the way i was expecting it to be i thought playing for two hours meant you just shut your eyes and you play for two or maybe three hours yeah and that was that but it's not like that now in pubs so there's it's easier in that respect but you have to concentrate more how do you find them playing with um when you're playing with the, the with the guys as opposed to playing with your own on, on your on your own? Do you find more pressure on your own? Are you more comfortable playing on your own? I wouldn't say more comfortable playing on your own, but do you find that the other boys take uh, some of the pressure off or yes. what, what how do you find that balance? I think they, they dissolve a lot of my intensity. <laughs> that so that uh, that I'm willing to put into the gig. They do that. Right. They do that because uh, like I I back Joe when he's playing a tune on the and stuff like that. Yeah. So, Joe's going to do that, and I'm I'm hearing him through a, my monitor. I can't yeah. sit in beside him or anything like that. You know what I mean? We're, we're on a we're on a, a theatrical a theatre stage. Yeah. So that's different, and I, I'm listening to him here at my feet and backing him, which is really weird. So what I'm trying to say is the energy that I was putting into appearing there, just going to the gig and everything. I thought this is what you do, but that was all energy I was expending doing my own thing. Yeah, yeah. And you don't need to do that. I've learned. I've learned now to. Uh, you can just, you can just, yeah. You can just go and play the music. Be a bit easier on yourself. Make it easier on yourself. You don't need to kill yourself. Mm. See, which is I gave away a lot of young years there, so I was playing gigs that. Burst yourself. Expending energy that I just didn't yeah. need to do. Yeah. But it was trying to prove to myself that I could do it, and and I saw people like Christy Mulgreen and stuff like that as well. Finbar, I've done some gigs with Finbar Fury, and mm. Finbar is a very relaxed man. Do you know when you're talking about energy, sometimes and you'd know this as well, it's very easy to be drawn into the crowd. The crowd will draw you out. Pulling the energy out. And the next thing, you're overextending energy levels. Totally. And you're going, kind of, the rev counter is going a little bit into the red or whatever it is. But you don't give a fuck because the energy is just mad at the time. And and it's really enjoyable. And and, and then, But then at the end of the gig, you're just like, it's after, you know, doing a heavy round of boxing, you're just fucked after you're it. Sunk. And you have to pack up the gear and go home and drive yourself probably. Yeah, as well. yeah. And that's when the old kebabs come in later tonight <laughs> because you're starving as well. <laughs> so it's a, it's a vicious circle. In and have a know. little bit of a treat here on the yeah. way home. Yeah. Well you do, you do, you know what I mean? Especially yeah. if you don't drink beer. I don't know how anybody does it who drinks, you know, is, is in any way a, a drinking man. It wouldn't be comfortable to me now at all, at all. Yeah, I'm the same. But maybe some people might have a glass of wine and I think that's great. But I'd imagine it'd soak away some of the energy you could put into playing. Yeah. The gig. I certainly found that. I find that it's gone completely the opposite, where I used to be in a situation where I would have a couple of drinks. I never thought that I needed to have a few drinks to be able to be good or to be able to perform, but they'd just they'd be there anyway. And it was kind of a routine to have a few That's drinks. Fine. That's good. That's good. And then it would kind of 
create some ad-libbing and stuff like this and a bit of messing with the crowd and stuff like that. Uh, and that was fine. But now I find that if, even if I have any more than two drinks, it, I, I don't have the quick response that I d would have. Do you know? Well, you, you, it's great that you're aware of that because you lose your edge. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. the edge is what you need. Yeah, it takes the edge. N now it's it's gone the opposite yeah. side where it blunts the edge. Yeah. Instead of no, having you a sharp can't edge, you can't know? expect the butcher to have a, a blunt knife and do a work great job. No, you no. You know what I mean. No. So you do need to have that sort of edge. Um, you can have a fight afterwards if two or three wants, you know. Oh well, it depends. So you're usually driving. Well, no, so you couldn't be you couldn't be giving the car the guards a, 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 an easy no an easy ticket for the for. It's for not worth it. No. You're better off to. That day has really gone a, a lot of. See, when I started music as well, we often got pints. There was no money. Oh yeah. I remember time when they said, oh, oh we yeah, give yeah. us four pints each. I can remember one man telling us, we had this gig going on a Sunday morning, purely as a, a, an exercise in drinking. But we used to go, uh, it was up in Dunchockland, and we go every Sunday morning, and the first week we went, it was three of us. And after about three weeks of that, it was four of us. And after about three more weeks of that, it was six of us. And he was giving us pints. So this one morning, anyway, there was seven of us. And we came down and put down seven drinks, anyway, early in the morning. <laughs> First to play, we used to play between twelve and two. Right. Remember, it used to shut at two. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. From two to four, so we'd do the morning time thing. And he came down and said to us lads, "It'll just be frankly, it'll be cheaper to get the Dubliners to play for us." Because the amount of pints he was handing over. Yeah, yeah. And you see, I suppose the barman thinks initially, like, "Oh, that's great. Now I'll get these lads in, you know, a bit naive or whatever, and we'll get them. We won't have to pay them now. We'll get them two pints. And the next thing, you're fucking drinking pints there. You can't keep the tappers on. And he didn't realize the pint drinker he had. Yeah, you know, a savages underneath. Yeah, yeah. Well seasoned men who could drink pints, and we'd be going on to probably a gig later on, and, and a gig that. And I often went to a disco at the end of that, and it wouldn't cast me a thought. Yeah, yeah. There, now, jeez, I was twenty, like you know, I wouldn't do it now. Yeah, it's a big change over the years now, isn't it? You, you, you have to realise before your body tells you, you've got to cut that out, <laughs> 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 because your body will tell you. Um, well, we're really looking forward to this. Um, this gig you have coming up here, Jerry, and I have to be honest with you, um, my um, partner had uh, she got tickets uh, for for the poker, and uh, uh, she's after selling them now. We're going to your gig. Oh, that's uh, so fantastic! Because um, I said now, just look, looking forward to it, and she's um, been in with me a few times into into Brogans and really enjoys the music and all that sort of stuff. And I think having this chat here, it's 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 nice to get a really good perspective of where you're coming from with your songs because I didn't know a lot of what you know where you're coming from with yeah. these songs you know what I mean yeah. I just knew you as Jerry and playing as, as, as most people as most people would you know I'd be watching people you say I'd be reading an audience so I never know what it was coming from because you never know who you were going to get mm, mm. so I'd be reading the people I'd say there's an outfit over he'd like this and I might give that song or here's a few boys I know they're into Rebel Bundy might sing that. I'd yeah. never get too rebel ever. Yeah. But I would always skirt around and I'd always enjoy the row that they would bring up for they always brought me a row. So that they'd say, Will you not sing so and so? And I'd say, No, I won't. Yeah. But you were with so and so, weren't you? I was, but I'm not doing it. So I'd always say that to them as well, you know what I mean? And um it was great. It was great at the time, you know. So it was oh we had been talking about something to do with all people would bring a row to me uh, every Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If I didn't sing because they expected of someone like myself sitting in a pub they expect you to sing certain songs, you know, they, they assume that it's going to be the norm. And I'd say, no, I don't do those songs. And will you do so-and-so thing? No, I won't. Yeah. And I, I don't mean, I wasn't being uh, rude, but if I don't put a, a solid bit of glass between me and the guy, he'll try to wear me down. Mm. And 
you know, and I learned that over the years, I just say, no, the answer mm. is, I won't be doing that, so don't keep asking. Some people can be quite adamant about that. Yes, because they feel, because they're out for a few pints, that it's And this is their song. And I must do what they say. Yeah. And it's not that way. And what about, sorry, no, no, but what about uh, this one here? Now, you <laughs> Go on. How will I cope with this one? Johnny down the back, it's a great man to sing such oh. and such a song. Now you may fucking let him up here. Now wait, you, wait, you hear him. Wait, you fucking hear Johnny playing this fucking song. Now he'll come up here and he'll play the song. Now Jesus, and he'll, 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 he'll be whatever song it'll be. I you have know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the crack is good. The gig is going well. And you have no idea what Johnny's like. It could be a great lad. It could be bad. But it, it's very hard to sit that in with your old gig, no matter how good or bad it is. There's two things that I early on had to put a stop to. Now I, I did it for a while. And it used to be quite a get-together and a bit of fun. And that's what I'd call in this gig that we're going to do in the solstice. It's, I'm calling it a get-together. Mm. It's reminiscent of what, where I began. But when you have someone in an, an, uh, your audience uh, sitting in a bar or a pub, no matter where you are, there's always someone who's as good as I down there who just happens to be off on the day you're playing. <laughs> I, I used to say to people, why isn't he gigging? <laughs> that was one way I used to say that you know well sure if he's gigging every night he won't want to play now I wouldn't want you to call me up for a song if I was if I went to see you yeah so no I want to hear you yeah and I'm sure anyone who's a singer probably thinks the same thing but there are people there used to be a culture in this country as well of people yeah. it was the dumb thing to call someone up and that was great while it lasted yeah but it has changed because it affects too much now and it's not a few pints you're getting paid it's a cash or a check or something like that and you've got to you're making a living in other words you're exactly making. yeah so you've got to present you can't just let the people run wild the way it used to be or just mm. say ah oh, yeah get him for a song and you don't and the second thing is he may play a song that you have not got a clue of mm. and then you're lost and if you're using a backing track uh, well then you also have to ha either have it or uh, it has to be in his key and all that sort of stuff it's too awkward and I think anyone who really wanted to sing would be doing the same job I used to um I used to be, this was a terrible thing I used to do with people for that. Well, it, it, it wasn't really a, a kind of a way I deal with it, but um, you know, somebody come up to me and say, I'm "Just grind you down the back of the room there yeah. now," and there'd be there'd be I in the stage up from the minute they walk yeah, in, you know, yeah. say, "Just grind you now." She's after winning the um, Bally Harness Scott Talent. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. She's she's amazing. Do you know what I mean? And she'd be usually a tall, skinny, good-looking girl or whatever it is, and she'd be looking at you. She'd be throwing the eye up there, and she'd be kind of looking at you going, I'm better than Let you now. Up. I'm better than you. No, I'm yeah, better yeah, than you yeah. now, do you know? And right enough, Sinead and Barry Harness or wherever she'd be from, they'd get up and, you know, you'd have to let get get you know get her yeah. up or whatever it is. And she'd get up and she'd sing a big power ballad, probably Adele or something like that, right? And you'd say to her, the usual thing, now just hold on a second now, sing it into me, get the key. Get the key. Get the key and get the, key yeah, and get yeah. the whatever it is. And then she'd get going at it. You get the levels right and the microphone and the whole lot and you get going at it and everybody start relaxing into it and everything like that. And just when I'd see her confidence really starting to get right, yeah. I'd just go down an octave on the guitar. You know. <laughs> 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 That's a clever way. Yeah, go down an octave on the guitar. That's a very and clever and way. And, and, it and then you'd look over at her. Like, yeah, you know, you just, of course everybody keeps singing, the song keeps moving and you just look over at her like, what the fuck are you I'm at there I'm now? actually practicing it here myself. Like yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah. she starts and goes. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and then you go back up into it. Yeah. And then she relaxes again and she goes, what the fuck happened there? And that's grand or whatever it is. And then you just <laughs> drop it down again or whatever it is. And you scratch your head and you just you just do it to the point where she wouldn't lose interest and keep going. And yeah. the song would finish up and you'd say, 
That was grand. There was a few little blips in it now, but it was it was, it was grand. It was grand, yeah. She's, and she was walking off stage and scratching the head, going, I don't know what. What? Yeah, you were grand. You were grand, she did. Really you. Questioning her whole motive and how did they win the Bally Hall? Yeah. Um, Jerry, we better uh, wrap it up here because uh, there's no, a few great. different things here. Great. And thanks very much for coming out. And, and we're really much. looking forward to gigging. I hope that everybody that's listening to this will, I suppose, go for themselves. If it's the type of music that you that you like and enjoy and are interested in to see how you're going to express these songs your way yeah. in a unique setting in the Salsas and Navin, yeah. I think it's going to be very, it's going to be a really good night to enjoy if you appreciate good, authentic folk music. It's live music all the way. Um, Absolutely. There'll be two people joining me uh, again, and thank you very much for that. Kind words. Um, Eugene Donegan from Pilgrim Street. He's the five-string banjo player. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a really great guy. He's better than you know. He's a great guy. He's coming along to play some songs with me. He's going to play on the stage with me. And Derek Matthews, who's the bass player with the John Prine tribute, who are storming along the countryside at the minute. Uh, right going great he's going to play bass with me in the night so we're going to have plenty of variety and stuff like that going on so it's it won't be just me sitting alone we'll have those boys joining in as well mm, mm. I want it to be it's called a get together and I want it to be a get well to be honest with Jerry you know, if it was just you well for the night, it I'd might be just be me yeah, yeah, yeah but the other guys are a bonus you know what I mean they're I, going I, to they're play they're along with me the other yeah, they're yeah, yeah, yeah. they're going to add now Derek Matthews is a very fine player and when someone is playing the bass very well, when you can't hear them, they're doing their job right. And you won't hear a note out of him because he's superb. Right. <laughs> it's he'll, he'll join me, yeah. if you understand me. He'll add. Yeah. And Eugene is excellent on five-string banjo, plays guitar, yeah. uh, sings, you know, and everything else. So yeah. he'll be excellent as well. You know. Well, it, it, it sounds lovely. And I'm like to, to look forward to, you know, as you said there, it's lovely just to go in and listen to somebody else just Lightness. do what they do and just... You know, and yeah. just uh, you know, like like you just played a few lovely tunes there, and well, it's just for me anyway. Uh, not even as a musician, but just to appreciate music. There's just the, the sweet sound of the guitar and the way you play it so different than other people play it, and every way, most ways are beauty in themselves in the difference. Uh, that's that's really kind. Thanks you know, so much for that. Um, I, I I appreciate that, and thank you for inviting me to do your podcast as well. Wish you well with everything we do, of course. Music well, I think it's look at it. We'll, we'll, we'll give it a go and see. We'll see what happens. And it's a great opportunity for for people to get a, another insight into what you're doing. I hope if they come along on the night, they will. I, I have plenty of little stories to tell them about things that happened and didn't happen in between the songs and stuff like that. We'll have fun. I can tell you. That. Yeah, we're yeah. going to have a good time, and I, I'm looking um, forward to seeing you. What would you like to sing? To finish up here. Now. Yeah. Have you something you like yourself? We could do it together, maybe. <laughs> Um, do something you know. We'll do country roads. Sure. In G, is that good for you? And we'll dedicate this uh, song to the parents that have passed. Oh, that's a lovely one. Yeah. If you don't mind, if you don't I, mind. I love it. If you don't mind. <coughs> okay, you want to play along with me? Will no, you no, you, you, I'll, I'll sing with you. I'll sing with you. Yeah. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountain, Chandler River. Life is older than the trees, younger than the mountains, blowing like a breeze, country road. 
Jerry, thanks very much. Thanks Just to remind you, folks, 27th of October uh, in the Salsas in Avenue, you can get the tickets from... You get them directly from the Salsas Art Theatre. So online, so go online, go online there and yeah. look up the Salsas Theatre in Avenue yeah. and you'll get the tickets on there. There's tickets available. And you can come along on the night too. I'm sure there'll be plenty of we'll spaces still there. Yeah, there will be loads. Great stuff. Thanks very much, Jerry. Thank you very much, Jerry.